wonder. Did you ever consider what an unusual word wonder is to associate with the events concerning the Holy Week? The tragedy of the cross, the torture of the cross, the catastrophe of the cross, but the wonder of the cross? Although we hardly know what words or language to offer in thanks for a love so strong, for a sacrifice so great, wonder comes closest to articulating the awesome message from our minds and our hearts. Wonder is the act of being overwhelmed of, in awe of, even mystified by. So there are a few words more suitable to describe what in reality almost leaves us speechless. This week will be retold in literature and art, in drama and music, in stories handed down from generation to generation. And every time that the followers of this young teacher named Jesus will gather in the centuries to come to share a loaf of bread and a cup of wine. It was this Jesus who told us on the very eve of his death to come together, to think about all that he taught us and to remember. Remember, once you've encountered the Master, how could you ever forget?
Even as Jesus makes his triumphant entrance, crowds continue to ascend to the holy city to celebrate Passover. They approach the awe-inspiring spectacle of the temple. They lift their hands in praise, and with unrestrained joy, they sing. Open up your heart and give 
The celebration is bittersweet for the master because he knows that this crowd will turn against him in the coming days. The next morning, he evicts the money changers from the temple for their greed and their dishonesty. He is angered by their disrespect for this consecrated holy ground. He knows that they have reduced the miraculous to the commonplace and treated the commonplace with contempt. They have lost the wonder of being so close to the presence of God. They have turned the temple into a den of thieves. This house, his father's house, was meant to be the dwelling place of the Almighty. A place of awe and wonder. A sacred sanctuary. My father's house, my father's house, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. My father's house. My father's house, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer. My father's house, my father's house. My father's house shall be called a house of prayer. My father's house. My father's house. My father's house shall be called a house of prayer. This sacred place, this holy ground, consecrated and blessed where the Lord may be found. No place for men's greed. My father's house. It's no place for men's pride. My father's house. How my father must grieve. How my anguished heart cries.
disciples just hours before his arrest and execution. He knows that time is short, but he does not rush through the sacred, symbolic elements of this Last Supper that will be a part of the celebration of his passion for years, millennia to come. So it is that the Lord Jesus, on this night he is betrayed, takes bread. When he has given thanks, he breaks it and said, This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he takes the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And now, for those who had eyes to see and ears to hear, remembrance would keep the wonder of the sacrifice of the Messiah alive in the body of Christ.
Their time together in the upper room comes to an end. They sing a hymn and move on to the Garden of Gethsemane. It is here that Jesus, in great agony, makes his final choice. The options are still his, and his torment is great, yet his choice is obedience, obedience unto death. Once this choice is made, a calm resolve comes of the master that will haunt his persecutors for the rest of their days. The silence of the garden is shattered by the clamor of an approaching crowd. Caiaphas, the high priest, demands of him. I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered, yes. Then the high priest tears his clothes and says, He has spoken blasphemy. He is worthy of death. They bind Jesus, lead him away, and hand him over to Pilate to be crucified.
Once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy and I'm broken inside. Once again I thank you. Once again I pour out my love. Jesus Christ, I think upon your sacrifice. You became nothing, poured out in death many times. I've wondered at your gift of life, and I'm in that place once again. I'm in that place once again. Once again I look upon the cross where you died. I'm humbled by your mercy, and I'm broken. Once again I thank you, once again I pour out my life. Now you are exalted in the highest place, King of the heavens, where one day I'll Broken 
Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my many times. I've wondered at your gift of life. I'm in that place once again. Would you pray with us? Father, thank you for bringing us to that place once again. Lord, where we remember, we remember your sacrifice in spite of our greed. We remember your love in spite of our indifference. We remember your offering in spite of our debt. We will not forget. We will not forget the miracle of your birth. We will not forget the wonder of the cross. We will not forget the glory of your resurrection. You alone are the God of wonder. For your sake and for your wonderful Son, our Savior's sake, we pray.
cross once reviled as an instrument of death becomes the symbol of hope and redemption as Jesus is resurrected from the dead. Nothing since the foundation of the world has the impact of Jesus walking out of that garden tomb. All that death had shattered, the resurrection restored. All that sin had tarnished, the resurrection renewed. And since that first glorious Easter, believers have greeted one another with words that still echo with unsurpassed joy. He is risen. Hallelujah, he is risen indeed. And it was on a cool fall morning in the mountains of North Carolina, I lost my breath. I just drove over a knoll to see the sky aflame with a majestic sunrise. Somehow, the gold, red, and orange light lace clouds merged with the yellow and red foliage of the mountains. The colors met together at that bright, blurred orb of the sun. I had to get out of my car. I had to stand in awe with my mouth agape. When was the last time you were in awe? What was it that made your mouth drop in wonder? Perhaps it was the birth of a child, a grand vista. The sound of the surf, or perhaps maybe the close inspection of a spider web. Chances are, 
it was too long ago that you felt any wonder. To be in awe is a wonderful experience and enlightens our load. The common denominator of awe is self-forgetfulness. We've come upon an object that is so glorious, so complex, so beautiful, that we reject self-absorption. It's in one of those rare items, rare times, where we experience something that is so much better than ourselves, and we don't mind admitting it. Now consider, as great as that awe-inspiring moment may be, there is someone who created that moment. How much more should we be in awe of the creator of beautiful landscapes, life, oceans, and humans? The most beautiful sights of this earth are but shadows of the creator's beauty. When we thoughtfully consider the character of God, there is to be the great sense of wonder and awe. And how much more will we consider the cross, what God has done as an act of true beauty, true holiness, true love. How much more should we be in awe? In fact, this is what also means, is to be filled with awe. If God directed thoughts, do not overwhelm us then it is because we have dwarfed considerations of God's character. Sadly, that's the state of which all of us are when we're born. What on earth could dwarf God's character in our mind? It's none other other than our own selves. We're born looking out for our own own interests and desires. Selfishness is a natural tendency that doesn't need to be taught, just perfected. It must be that we consider ourselves to be worthy of being the center of attention. Not only do we tend to ourselves, we crave, yes, demand the attention of others. Now, this seems perfectly reasonable. After all, are not all of us guilty? However, consider this disposition in light of our morning drive in the mountains. What if you were enjoying that sunrise with me on that morning? Instead of calling your attention to that sunrise... I insisted instead that you looked at my brand new shoes. My demands would seem foolish and shallow in light of that sunrise. Perhaps you might even be mad at me. Making you miss such beautiful things. Really, my shoes do not compare to the sunrise, no matter how soft the leather may be. What do you think the creator of the universe, the creator of that sunrise thinks, when we live absorbed with ourselves? This is pride. And it is the height of arrogance before an awesome God. To give glory to God is good, for he is worth it. To give glory to self is arrogance, for we are not equal to the hype. Romans 3.23 states it this way. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. At the heart, sin is to exalt yourself above God. As long as we're in this state, our relationship with God is impossible. Regardless of our attempts to be good, our status before God has not been approved. For there is yet to be any kind of humility. In fact, our man-made improvements have made the situation worse. For now, we're demanding attention and approval from God for our good efforts. How do we know when we are exalting ourselves over God? The Bible lists multiple ways to discern this attitude, but the most common passage is known as the Ten Commandments. To summarize the commandments, let me ask you these questions. Do you put anyone over God? Do you put anything over God? 
Are you careless with God's character and his name? Are you careless with what is important to God? Have you dishonored your parents? Have you disregarded life and murdered if but in your heart? Have you disregarded love and marriage and committed adultery if but in your heart? Have you disregarded an individual's freedom and stolen property? Have you disregarded truth and lied? Have you disregarded God's provision for you and spent your life craving more? If we answer yes to any of these questions, we are betraying our self-absorption. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. This attitude will produce a contempt and a truly great God for our arrogant living. And he is just. There is punishment. The solution is not found in do better living advocated by many religious teachers today. The only solution is found in humbling ourselves before this awesome God. Romans 10, 9 says that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God completes this humbling process by giving us something. The rest of Romans 6, 23 says that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What better way to humble someone but to give them something that they cannot earn, they do not deserve. That's why it's a gift. It's not something we earn. Specifically, we're to acknowledge our prideful living and ask God to forgive us of our sin and arrogance. We trust that this creator will forgive us because of the penalty paid by Jesus Christ. A God who is just is willing to take the perfect life and death of the God-man Jesus as a substitution for us. That is the greatest wonder of all. And if it does not fill us and overwhelm us, it is because we think too much of ourselves. However, this confession is to be accompanied by acknowledging that Jesus is Lord. When we start living in such a way that shows God is great, we start living with right perspective with the rest of life. Jesus said it this way. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I invite you to live for this God of wonders. Perhaps you need to be in prayer before God right now. I'm going to lead us in a prayer, acknowledging God as king and the God of all wonders, confessing our sin before him. If that expresses your heart, I invite you to pray with me. But if only if it's something you mean. Let's bow in prayer. Father, I have not held you in right regard. I've thought too little of my sin, too much of myself, and not thought of you. God, forgive me. Because in this moment, by your Holy Spirit, I see with clarity what you think of sin and who you are. And I am in need of mercy. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and became my sin. And he rose again 
on the third day to prove that this sacrifice was effective. And Lord, I receive the gift that you want to give me. I'm not going to earn it. I can't. I just thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. And from this point on, I want to make your son Jesus my king. I want to center my life around you. No longer me. Thank you for the eternal life. And by your grace, by your help, I will live for you. And Lord, fill me with your wonder. I pray this in your name. Amen. The choir is going to sing for us one more time. The refrain that believers have said to one another throughout the centuries. He is risen indeed. And I invite you, as we're going to stand in just a little bit, to come forward. Perhaps maybe to make public a decision you've just made to follow Jesus as your Lord. Perhaps to rededicate your heart. Perhaps to be a part of this church family. We invite you to come forward as the choir sings. Let's stand together.